It's so good to be with all of you guys. My name's Todd. If uh, I haven't, if you, we haven't met, or honestly, I haven't been here for a little while. Uh, thank you for so many of you that have been uh, praying for us and for our son going through a medical thing, and uh, we've felt the love and care and support of our church family, and we are super, super grateful for you. Uh, this weekend, we're launching into the second week in a series that we began last weekend in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is really all about the movement, the movement of the gospel, the movement of the good news about Jesus in people's lives, and the movement of the early church. Uh, it, it's the story of how God continued to radically change people's lives and how more and more people were impacted, ultimately, eventually, to you and I. And so we're in Acts chapter 2, and as we go through this series week by week, chapter by chapter, we want to invite you to go deeper with us, okay? And so every single week, you'll find both in the worship program and online uh, a Bible reading plan that Pastor Ryan graciously put it together for us. So day by day, key verses that all of us literally on the same page every single day diving into the truth of God's Word so we can walk through this powerful, powerful book. So check it out online or just use your worship program on a weekly basis and you'll know right where we're at and how to keep up with us. Also, a couple other things that we want to offer you to help us all just grow deeper in our faith. Um, we Twice a week, we put out an email. It's called Beyond the Weekend. And uh, right now, these Beyond the Weekend emails are going to focus on the daily Bible verses that are in the reading plan. And uh, so if you want to lean into that, uh, one of our pastors will share a little bit on the, the, the specific passage, walk you through the SOAP Bible study method, scripture, observation, apply, and pray. All right? If you want to get that, uh, if you don't already receive the Beyond the Weekend, you can simply just write Beyond uh, on your worship program or on the little Connect card. Give us your contact info, include your email in there, that's especially important. And then every Tuesday and Thursday morning, you'll get an email in your inbox that says Beyond the Weekend, and you can follow along with us and journey with us. Also, one more thing, on Wednesdays, in the, in the, sometime during the day, there will be a midweek video that we post on Facebook. And this is just, uh, there's so much in the book of Acts, there's so much in every single chapter, and on the weekends, we don't have the chance to, to digest it all, to get through all of it. And so on Wednesdays, that video is going to highlight something from the last week's chapter that we weren't able to specifically talk about in the weekend worship experience, but it's a midweek way for us to just dive a little bit deeper, all right? That's part of our vision as a church, is to grow deeper together. And so we want to equip you guys, and we pray that you'll take some steps in that way with us. But we're in Acts, and we're in Acts chapter 2. Now, we can't, we don't have time, again, to get through every single verse in Acts chapter 2, but let me set the stage a little bit, okay? Uh, what we see happening in Acts chapter 2 is really the birth of the church, Jesus had made a promise in Acts chapter 1 and elsewhere throughout the Gospels that at some point the Holy Spirit was going to come upon the believers in a brand new and fresh way. And in Acts chapter 2, that is exactly what happens. The miraculous occurs, uh, the Holy Spirit comes down and doesn't just come upon the believers, but indwells them. And as a result, crazy, miraculous things are happening. People are, are speaking in other languages that they weren't previously able to speak into. People are hearing others praise God in their own native tongue where they didn't know that they could hear it that way. And all this is to point to the power 
of the gospel to point to the power that God has to change lives. Now, when this happened, there was a mass crowd of people. People from all kinds of different backgrounds, religious, very Jewish people, very irreligious people, Gentiles that were just pagan and didn't give a care about God. And there were those that were also seeking and exploring more of who Jesus was. And in this vast crowd, there was great confusion on the day of Pentecost. That brings us to Acts chapter 2, verse 13, and it says, But others in the crowd ridiculed them, that is, ridiculed this crowd of believers, saying, They're drunk. That's all. Now you say, well, why, why would they say such a thing? Well, because some of the behavior that was happening, it didn't make sense to everyone. They were speaking in these unknown languages. And the onlooking crowd ridiculed the believers. And they're like, what is going on? These people are acting like drunk people. But Peter, in this moment, one of the apostles and really the, the founder of the early church, because Jesus had said to Peter, I'm going to build my church on your faith and the faith of all people that put their trust in Jesus. Peter speaks up to the crowd and he says, hey, these people, they're not drunk as some of you are assuming. He says, nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. I always, I I crack up when I see this because it's almost like Peter's saying, listen, I know sometimes they might be a little tipsy, but not now. I mean, it's much too early for that, right? Uh, But that's not what Peter's talking about. Peter's saying, listen, something on a whole other level has occurred. Something miraculous. Something that, yes, it's unexplainable. And so I want you to know. And so then, Peter goes on to begin to proclaim this powerful message to all the people that are gathered there. In verses 16 to 23 of Acts chapter 2, basically Peter is talking about how from the beginning it was God's plan for Jesus to die on the cross and to be raised to life, just like we just remembered and celebrated in the act of communion. And Peter's having to remind all the people who many of whom have heard about Jesus being resurrected, some who have seen the resurrected Jesus. And, and Peter's pointing them all back to the fact that this is real, that this has really happened, and that this is what had been foretold long, long ago. Then in verses 24 to 35, David reaffirms that, uh, Peter reaffirms that David, who was the king of Israel at one time in the past of the people of Israel, And that even King David knew that the Messiah would come and ultimately reign as the king of the world. People of that day, especially Jewish people, they looked up to David. He was like the man. And yet, Peter was reminding that even the Jewish nation that, listen, even David, who was your king, was pointing forward to the ultimate king, the king of all, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And then, And then Peter says these words. He says, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter doesn't hold back. Peter looks right at the crowd, many of whom who had been ridiculing, saying, Oh, look at these drunk people. Many whom didn't believe in Jesus, who hadn't believed about the resurrection. Many who were antagonistic towards Jesus and towards his disciples. Many who were skeptics. Many who were exploring and wondering and unsure. 
But many that were against and ridiculing, Peter looks right at them and he says, listen, again, look at it with me. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. He's making a declaration. He's reminding them, even the people that were ridiculing, even the people that had, had mocked Jesus, spit upon Jesus, the people that had gathered, and when, when, when Pilate asked who, the, who should be released, they cried, release Barabbas. Uh, I mean, a, a horrible murderer, convict. And they said, release him and crucify. Crucify Jesus. And now Peter is saying, the one that you crucified has declared him to be both Lord and Messiah. That is Lord, King, uh, Master, the one that is ultimately in control, has power over death itself because he's risen from the grave, and the Messiah, the one that everybody's been waiting for, the one that people are looking for, expecting, anticipating, and yet somehow they had missed it. And Peter's challenging their thinking. And then in verse 37, it says this, Peter's words pierced their hearts. Pierced their hearts. The word here has to do with a deep emotional response. A a, a deep sense of concern, of conviction, of remorse. A, a, A realization, a light bulb coming on in people's minds and hearts that they had made an utter mistake by crucifying Jesus, the Messiah. They, the, people, were, people were having a spiritual awakening in this moment. It says that his words, the, the, these common words that he spoke, went right into them. It broke them. It overwhelmed them. It pierced their hearts. And it wasn't just a deep inner and emotional response. Look at what they say next. It says, they said to him, to Peter and to the other disciples, apostles, brothers, what should we do? You see, when God's word pierces our heart, it's not just for a realization. It's not just for an awakening. It's meant for action. It's meant for life change. And these, these people that were once ridiculing the disciples and the apostles and against the message of Christ are now recognizing the very one that they went against is the Savior of the world, that he's risen, that he has power, that he can change lives. And they're cut to the heart. And they say, what should we do? And ultimately, Peter goes on to tell them what to do, that they need to personally respond to Jesus. Look at what he says to them in response in verse 38. It says, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. He looked right at them. They said, what should we do, Peter? God was at work. They were feeling heavily convicted and convinced of who Jesus was. They knew that they were in the wrong And now they say, what should we do? And Peter says, you need to repent. Repent and be baptized. Invite Jesus into your life. Turn your life over to him. Uh, How many of you recognize this old relic? (laughs) For the the millennials and Gen Zers in the room, like this is a map, not like an app. This is like a literal piece of paper. It's called a map, okay? Uh, Before it was ever on your iPhone, 
It was on a piece of parchment, all folded up like 18 gazillion folds that you could never fix and get back in the right way. And, and when you traveled, get this, you didn't just type it into your phone. No, you had to know where you were going, the city and the street, and, and then you had to have a map. And then if you got off course, you had to look at land signs and uh, city names and to try to figure out where you were. And not only that, I mean, if you got off course... It didn't just automatically redirect you like I do, you know, like I make, I, listen, supposedly I'm like an eighth Indian. Indians are supposed to have incredible like um, whereabouts and a, a deep sense of direction. My, my father-in-law would always tell me, Todd, I'm sorry, but you don't have any Indian in you. <laughs> I, I can get lost in my backyard. Like today... I got onto two. I got onto the uh, to Route Two off of Two Fifty. Usually, I get off, get up, get on it on Route Four, uh, but I wanted to get a Starbucks before I headed this way. I had to stop for a minute. Wait, east or west? Which way do I really need to go? Like, I I've gotten on the the highway going the wrong direction multiple times. I've passed this trait on to one of my daughters. Um, here's the thing. Uh, you got to have a map to figure out where you are. But then once you realize you're not going in the right direction, you have to, we have to be humble enough, willing enough to admit it. Okay? Like, and, and finally, I've, I finally learned my lesson. Like, I'll stop, stop and ask directions anywhere. Sometimes, like, I might stop at two gas stations um, across the street from each other just to get an affirmation that they're, they know what they're talking about so that I know that I'm going the right way. The, the word that, that, that Peter uses here in the text, when he tells the people how to respond, what should they do? It's the word repent. It, it means to turn and go the other direction. Peter was telling the people of that day, listen, you, you need to realize that you, you've been going the wrong way. The very one that you've ridiculed, the, the one that you thought was a hoax, the one that you were so skeptical of. You have to come to a place of going, actually, I was wrong. I was wrong all along. I've been going my own way, doing my own thing, thinking. I knew the direction for my life and come to that place of going, no, I need to look at the map, and the map is the very truth of God's word, is what Peter was proclaiming to the people in that day. And it says they were cut to the heart, they were pierced. They realized they were lost, and that they were going the wrong direction. And Peter says the way that we respond is to repent and to be baptized, to, to be included in the body of Christ, to turn our life over to Jesus, to, to recognize what we just celebrated in communion, that Jesus really did give his body, and it was broken for us, and he gave his blood, it was spilt out as an offering to cover our sins, to wash us and make us clean and whole, and to set us on a whole new course and path in life. I can remember when I was 17 years old, and that happened in my life. I realized I was going the wrong direction. It, it wasn't necessarily, it didn't seem like a horrible direction. It didn't seem like a, a, a road to mass destruction. And I was a fairly good person. But good people 
still make mistakes. Good people still don't know the, always the right way to go. And I was going the wrong direction. And the longer that I would have went that direction, the farther it would have led me away from the God who loves me and away from the life of purpose and meaning that he wants me to have and that he wants every single person on this planet to experience. So Peter says, this is how we respond. He says, and then when, when, we, when we repent, when we turn our lives over to him and say, I was going the wrong direction and I give my life to you, he says, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is what all the people there had been, been just witnessing. The Holy Spirit came upon the people and miraculous things were happening and they were filled and they were infused with life and hope and purpose and meaning. He says, and that is for you, for all of you that... that Turn your life over to him. He says, this promise, this is for you and to your children and to those far away who have been called by the Lord our God. Peter reminds them, uh, this gathering of people right there that are now asking the question, what should we do? He's saying, I want you to know what I've just proclaimed. It's for you. And he says, and it's not just for you. It's for your whole family. It's for your kids. And it's the same thing that I would say to every single person here, whether you've been coming to the chapel for a long time or this is your first time or you're a convinced follower of Christ or you're a skeptic or you're an explorer or you're just unsure, unsettled, or you've, you've got doubts. I want you to know this is for you. I mean, like, this is really for you. And it's not just for you. It's the hope for your family and for your kids and for your life. And then he says, and it's for all those far away. To the person that thinks that they are so far gone that God could never love them, that God could never accept them, this is for you. This is the message of the gospel. This is for all of us, you guys. This is what it's about. And Peter says, it, all it takes is just a turn, a turn that God will help you make just to turn to him. He says it's for everyone. He says, then Peter continued preaching for a long time. Now, we won't go on Peter time today, okay? But look at what he said. The reason that he preached so long, he said, because he strongly urged all of his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And whether it was what Peter was saying to them 2,000 years ago in a crooked and depraved generation or right now in 2022, none of us have to look very far to realize our world is in a mess. And yet Peter's word to them is Peter's words to us today. Save yourself from this crooked generation. He's saying, be careful. Watch out. You know, it's, 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 it's such a dangerous world and culture that we live in. We can kind of just kind of relax in it and, and, and just be kind of carried away like you're, like you're sitting in an inner tube in a, in a lazy river and the current, the current just sweeps you away and the current just takes you wherever it wills. And, and Peter was crying out to the people saying, don't let the current just sweep you away. Sometimes this is going to mean going against the flow. And while everybody else, it seems, is, just keeps whizzing by, it means going the opposite direction because the direction that they're going is to lostness. 
And it says that those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 people. They were pierced to the heart. They said, what should we do? And they responded. They repented of their sin. They turned to Jesus. And it changed everything. This was the beginning of the movement of the church. So Peter challenges them. And the first step is to personally respond to Jesus. But what we see in the rest of Acts chapter 2 is their participation almost immediately in the body of Christ, the church. Acts chapter 2, probably one of the most beautiful, powerful passages in the New Testament, a description of who we want to be. It says all the believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. That's why we are still doing this today. On a monthly basis, the first of each month, we gather and we remember Jesus' sacrifice through the Lord's Supper. And to prayer, it goes on, a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles, they performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers, they met together in one place and shared everything that they had. And they sold their property, it says, and possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And it says, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Pastor Tony Marita says, this passage includes four powerful vital signs for for health in the life of the local church. The first one is vibrant worship. He spoke about that. He said they gathered together and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and they worshiped and they celebrated the Lord's Supper. That's what we do in what we call the row right now, right here, every week. It's important. It's not just, oh, if I feel like it, if I feel like getting up today. It's, it's, It's something that marked the lives of early believers. They were committed. They were devoted to it. Not only that, Tony Marita says it's, it's biblical nourishment. They fed upon the truth of God's word. It's, it's what we, we try to do every weekend here in the row experience, but it's why we have small groups. That's what we call a circle. It's, it's what, we, what we do in our chair time or in our own personal walk with Jesus on a daily basis, diving into the truth of his word. And he says the third one is loving fellowship. It's doing life together. Did you notice in, in, the, in the Acts passage what was happening? It said everybody had everything in common, and they, they sold their possessions. There, there was no rich or poor amongst God people, God's people because they all just took care of one another, loving fellowship. It's why part of our 2023 vision is to build a culture of family, to love and care for one another. Our worship team is going to, begin leading us in a song. And we as a family of God, we want to continue to make our mark, make our impact. That once we've personally responded to Jesus, we begin to participate in the body of Christ. And so many of you are. I love our Portland campus. You guys are living it. But there's some here that you're, you need to take a next step and, and maybe it's getting involved. It's, it's serving in your local church or it's going on mission or to reaching out to others in the community. Word and deed outreach, it was another mark of the early church. And the result in all of this, remember what Peter said? 
the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. Guys, what would it look like? What's your next step? For, for some here, you're a convinced follower of Jesus, but your next step is just a deeper, richer, fuller participation in the body of Christ, getting involved in serving, giving, helping, reaching. Listen, but you will never know what it really means to be a part of the family if you've not first personally responded to Jesus. I don't know where you're at in your spiritual journey. Chances are many of you in this room, you've given your life to Jesus. At some point, you look down at the map and you're like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm lost. I've been going the wrong direction. And you turn to Jesus and, and you know what it feels like. You know what it feels like to be going in his direction. You know what it feels like to find hope and purpose. You know what it feels like to be traveling through the road of life and being forgiven, having a clean conscience. You know what it feels like uh, to, to, to know the future and to, even when you don't know the future, to know who holds the future. But it could be that there's somebody here today and that today you realized, I'm lost. Or maybe you realize, I've just, I've been going my own way. And I'm getting nowhere fast. And as we close with this song of worship, today we want to invite you, if, if, if you've never repented, turned your life over to Jesus and said, I, I've been going the wrong way, I... I want to give my life to you. Thank you for everything that you've done for me, Jesus. I want to give my life to you and I want to follow you all the rest of my days. I don't understand it all, but I know enough right now in this moment, I'm pierced to the heart. There's something in me that says, I have to do something different. I have to respond. I have to give my life to Jesus. And as we sing this song, I'm going to ask us to stand. And if you feel led, we just want to invite you to come forward. Pastor Ryan and I and some of our other team members will be around here. We'll be here to just support you and pray for you and walk you through your very first steps of faith. And so if you feel led to come forward, you just come whenever you're ready. In Jesus' name, let's sing.